Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. I'm so excited for today's show because I've been waiting for a long time to have Nina Tokayer on the show. She is part of a duo, and many of you know her as part of the couple that goes by Yonina. Her husband's name is Yoni, her name is Nina. So that's just a little bit of a background on that. So Nina is a singer-songwriter. So welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Hi, thank you. So nice to be here. Let's dive right in and just tell us a little bit about your background. I'd like to hear more about how music was a part of your childhood and how that affected you. Okay. So yeah, I mean, singing and songwriting has always been a really big part of my life. From, like, I think the, the earliest song that I have a record of is, like, from third or fourth grade. I'm sure that there were things beforehand that I just didn't keep track of. My mom always says that, like, as a little girl, I was just walking around, kind of singing to myself, always dancing to myself. And my mom actually writes poetry, so she always really encouraged my songwriting. If ever I was upset or something happened. I don't know. I grew up with three older brothers, so it was, it was usually something to do with them. <laughs> My brothers would tease me or I'd get upset. So she would always say, it's okay, just write a song about it. But I did. So for my 10th birthday, all I wanted was a guitar and I got a guitar. So then I started really learning how to play guitar and uh, accompany myself. I had like a little tape recorder full of, you know, and whenever I'd write a song, I'd record it so I wouldn't forget it. And yeah, I would like anything I could to be involved with music. If it was playing guitar, playing jerbuka, being in the school choir, taking private voice lessons. Mamash kind of tried to just explore everything. And when I was 13 years old, I think I started recording my first songs, which are now archived somewhere far, far away. <laughs> Only for like really close people to hear and kind of like enjoy together and kind of laugh at, because they're very sweet. Uh, obviously the first songs I recorded. And I actually recorded them with my guitar teacher. He had a, a home studio, so I started recording them there. And then kind of throughout high school, it developed into something a little more more serious, mature. And, and yeah, I think up until I met Yoni, I was I felt very, very strongly about singing and about my, my songs. I wasn't quite sure how I would pursue it in my life, but I knew that every time I kind of tried to pretend that my music was just a hobby and not admit that it's something that I really wanted to pursue, somehow it came back into my life. I, somehow every place I, I turned up, I people found out that I liked singing and I somehow became that girl who, who sings uh, the one with the guitar and the original songs, even when I kind of tried to put it kind of on the side. And when I met Yoni, he was also very deep into pursuing his music. He was actually further along than me also because he's like six years older. So he was already professionally recording a solo album and, uh, and performing a little bit. And I was in a place where I was very much on a journey in terms of Koli Shah. I was asking a lot of rabbis about it and learning a lot about it and not quite sure what path I was going to take. At the time, I wasn't performing in front of mixed audiences. And then we started really talking about maybe making music together. I think that's kind of like my, my musical journey in a nutshell. Wow. So let's go back a little bit. Did you think about your professional career being a student 
I know Shirut Lumi was part of your scheduled path, but what was school looking like for you? Was it always clear to you that you wanted to pursue singing and find a way to make that work? Or did you have other paths you were considering at the time? Um, I don't think I really thought that being a singer was like a legit job that people could have. <laughs> I mean, I think when I was a kid, I, if anybody asked me what I wanted to be when I was older, I'd say I want to be a singer-songwriter, dancer-actor. <laughs> that was my answer as a kid. But then I think as I grew older, I kind of adopted other dreams, partially because that I felt I wasn't sure as a religious woman how much I'd be able to really pursue my music um, as an adult. And also because of, there are other things that I'm very passionate about. So I was thinking for a long time about going to psychology. And I actually, when I finished Shirut Lumi, I signed up for a degree in psychology. As our music took off, I actually continued to pursue uh, therapy as a separate field. Because I do, it is something that really interests me. But I was also surprised to find out that being a singer actually can be a job and a career, which was a beautiful surprise. A beautiful surprise indeed. Okay, side question. Was part of what attracted you so much to Yoni was that he already was a recording and performing artist? Mm -hmm. Was that something you felt you bonded over together right away? <laughs> was there like an instant connection for you two? It's mm, a good question. Um... I think that there were a lot of things that Yoni and I kind of connected through. I'd say, I mean, definitely his music was a part of it. Like, I won't, I won't lie, you know, when I, I heard him singing and we even like shared music with each other, even before we, we actually went out, like, you know, after our first phone calls, we kind of sent each other some of our music. And it definitely kind of made me more curious to get to know him and really interested in him. I think just in general, it was a feeling I just felt very much at home with him. I feel like we, on a lot, a lot of levels, very similar and kind of matched, both in terms of like our worldview and the things that we're passionate about and our characteristics. So it was part of the story, but it wasn't all of it. I all didn't meet because of the music. We actually met Mamash, they say it by like, Siata um, Dishmaya, by a hand of God. <laughs> And I was doing my national service in Tzfat. He was taking a group of high school students through Tzfat for Shabbat. And we just met on this balcony. So it was a very kind of one moment experience. But then once we started talking to each other and getting to know each other, we actually realized how much we have in common. It's part of the story, but it's definitely not the whole story. Definitely not. Because obviously <laughs> marriage is not based solely on a musical partnership. <laughs> oh much. Okay, so let's address the elephant in the room. The big subject of Kalisha that I like to discuss on a personal level with all our vocalists on the show. We did a comprehensive discussion on the last episode, by the way, where anyone can go back and listen and get some more information. And I read a lot about you and I know you did some interviews on this topic. It's a very thought out subject for you. Okay. So when you talk about Kalisha and the choices you made, or that evolved with you in your life. Also, as someone who is the first one of a kind, you and your husband are part of a duo performing for mixed audiences. You are in a position of impact and influence. So how do you think what you're doing is affecting other people and artists? Okay, well. <laughs> I know it's a loaded question. I'm sorry. Hey, for sure, for sure, no. But it's, it's something that I can't not address. I mean, it was 
a big part of my musical journey. As, as I already said, you know, growing up, it was always there in the back of my mind or in the front of my mind. Okay, so I guess I'll start from the end. I mentioned that when Yoni and I met, I wasn't quite sure what to do with our music, but I knew that I wanted it to be a big part of my life. And I knew that I wanted to share it with other people. And we also had this dream really of making music together. At the time, a rabbi that we were in touch with, uh, Rava Ronen Neubert, came out with a psaac about Kolisha. And when he sent it to us, we really felt like we related to it. We found a lot of meaning and a lot of truth in it. And kind of empowered by that psaac halacha, we kind of set out on our joint musical journey. And what he says there, which is something that, as we've searched, we've come across actually several other modern Orthodox rabbis who say similar things, is that if you look at the sukiya of, uh, of Kolisha, it kind of discusses a woman's voice being something very intimate and very hidden and so also can have just very intimate feelings uh, related to it. He relates the fact that times have changed and a lot of issues that have to do with modesty that have to do with tzniut and halakha also change according to uh, to the time and to the social norms. So for example, if you look in the Shulchan Aruch, there's a halakha in the Shulchan Aruch that a man isn't supposed to walk behind a woman in the street, in the shuk, which is a halacha that made a lot, a lot of sense back in times where women barely left the house and went to the shuk, not, you know, among all cultures, not just Judaism. In which case, if you're going to be the guy who finds that one woman in the shuk and you walk behind her, like, you're a creep. But nowadays, that's a halacha that I'd say the vast majority of Orthodox people don't go according to, um, not because we don't respect the Shulchan Aruch, but just because that the social reality has changed and it's no longer so rare to see a woman walking outside in the street. And so it's no longer has that same effect, men and women walking in the street together or behind each other. So in the same sense, what the Psaq al that we chose to go according to says is that nowadays, because the women's voices are a lot more common, we're a lot more exposed to them. I'd say a lot of religious people, you know, listen to the radio, whether it's a Jewish or non-Jewish or religious or whatever, the, the women's voices are more exposed and it's considered meaning something that we're accustomed to, something that we're exposed to, and in a way, I don't know if desensitized to, but it doesn't have that same intimate, almost sexual effect as it used to. And that's why it then becomes a question of how is the singing done? Is the singing modest? Is the context modest? Is the content? Uh, what, what words am I singing? And in that sense, he says it's very much a, a question of how and not if. So we felt that as a couple that really things together and we try that our content will always have some kind of meaning to it, uh, whether it's, you know, directly Jewish content or just music that was inspired by our neshama. We really try and do it in a way that's wholesome and modest. And I can say that when we first started doing it together, I felt in my heart that it was the right thing to do, but I was also very, very full of self-doubt. And anytime I would get some kind of like critical feedback, anytime I was criticized or get some uh, nasty comments online, it would very much shake me up and I'd, you know, start asking myself if I'm doing the right thing. I'd get filled with a lot of self-doubt. I think over the past three years, it's become more and more clear to me that in my heart, it really, really does feel like I'm on the right path, just in terms of also the feedback that, thank God, we've been getting from people that really is something that's touching people in a deep place and we really feel blessed that we are in a way adding our piece of light to the world and in that sense I feel a lot of clarity nowadays Hashem, with the path that we've chosen I also know that it's really not the right path for everyone and I really think that every Jewish woman needs to find her own 
way that that's right with her, that resonates with her, and also goes according to, you know, the halachic path that she chooses, the rabbis that she chooses to go according to. And I also think the same for every guy. I think different religious men need to go according to their their posek, their rav, their way of life. So yeah, it's very complicated. <laughs> I say two Jews through opinions, but that's a bit on kind of my journey that I've had with Kolisha. I don't know if it's something that I would now recommend to every single just girl out there to go on. I also feel very blessed that I ended up pursuing my music in a stage in my life in which I was already married and even had children. I feel like for me, that's been very grounding. I don't know what it would have been like if I would have started releasing my music as a, a single from girl who's dating at the same time and kind of trying to find my path and my partner. I probably think it wouldn't have been good for me. I can say that. But I really think it's super individual and everyone needs to kind of find their own way within the halachic options that we have. Yeah, thanks for touching upon all these different aspects of how that relates to other Jewish women who are pursuing their singing careers and also explaining. I like how you say it's complicated, but at the same time I'm looking at your face here and I can see how content you are. And yes, it's complicated, but yet it's still simple. It feels right to you, and and that's an important aspect, I think. I think if it had created a lot more anxiety and unsettling feelings for you, you maybe have changed what you decided. For sure. I mean, as I said, I didn't always feel so whole with it as I do now in the sense that, like, there were bumps in the road on my journey, but I feel like I've come to a place where it kind of settled in. The the criticism doesn't shake me as much because I really feel this clarity within me, but it definitely was a journey. I think I owe a special thank you to two people. The first one is actually a woman named Raya Muskal, who's actually part of a Israeli folk trio. And she actually was the first religious woman that I was exposed to. We sang together with her husband and another guy, a friend of theirs, they were a trio. The name of their band is Alma. They're like an Israeli kind of Jewish folk trio and they're really amazing. So as a teenager, I was always like, when I was struggling with Kolisha, I was always thinking like, oh, why can't I just kind of be like her? She was this role model for me. And when I was in a place where I was struggling, after we had started making music together, I turned to her and we spoke a lot about it. And she kind of helped me just find the answers within me. And another person I feel like I need to thank is my mother. My mother didn't grow up modern Orthodox. She kind of found her own Jewish connection later in her life after she married my, my dad. And I feel like her connection to Judaism and also to Alecha is very much a connection that is very, very also in tune with her heart. I think maybe it's just because that she chose it and she kind of came to it from a place of love and of ava. And my mother has always, always supported my decisions. And also at a time where I was kind of not sure if to continue on this path or not, she really kind of just reminded me to listen in, to listen to my neshama, to listen to my heart, to see what it is that I feel when I'm on stage, when I am performing in front of the, our audience. And the feeling was very much that this is my way of connecting to Hashem and kind of shining my neshama into the world. So that also helped me kind of be centered with myself. Yeah, it's definitely important to stop and realize that the people who have been there in our lives and supported our decisions, ideas, and thoughts, and who molded us into who we are, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there are also interested, what did your overnight success look like? Even though there's no such thing as overnight success, 
and I read a lot about you. As I said before, you've put out weekly videos on Arab Shabbat with your husband. First you didn't have the baby, and then when you did, the baby was in the videos. And then the video started to take off. So tell us how it started. Where was the pivoting moment? How did you get discovered? People were putting up money for your shows, investing in you. You went on tour. Your social media has such engagement. I don't know anyone who is as popular as you guys are in this category. What did this look like for you? I'd also like to hear more about how touring worked with your marriage and baby. I know you went on tour right after you had your baby. How did you get into this and how did this happen? Okay, fantastic. So, okay, it was very much a feeling of kind of try, 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 and then a kind of boom feeling like Hashem just took our hands and threw us into the deep end. As you mentioned, we started, kind of just took the leap of faith and started posting our videos onto social media. And at first it was very gradual and slow. It started just reaching more and more people. And we really tried to be consistent, which I think for us was a very powerful tool, this consistency of every Friday, every week, yeah, to just keep trying. And then kind of out of nowhere, there were these videos that were milestones for us. There was a our Jerusalem mashup, which I think was our first really big video, which got noticed by, uh, got shared by the Jewish Standard, and then by Nir Barkat, and then by Naftali Bennett. And that really just got us out there. I remember, I remember the feeling just a few minutes before Shabbat, kind of looking at Yoni, seeing the amount of views that it was getting, realizing that all these big pages were sharing it, and just telling him, like, whoa, this is much... <laughs> this is getting out of hand, like this is much larger than us and it's already out of our control in that sense. So it really kind of felt like Hashem was just throwing us into the unknown, onto this journey. It almost felt like we were getting this opportunity thrown at us and we had this choice of to run away or to, to jump, to take that leap. And we really just chose to take that leap. And we kept putting our music out there and then came our Modani cover for Omel Adam. And then we started getting noticed by, by the media, the Israeli media, and we started having all these interviews in different channels and Israel Ayom and Jerusalem Post and Channel 2 and 10. And, and we realized that we were reaching a lot of people. And this was our chance to also share our original music, which really is where our heart is invested. So we started a crowdfunding campaign, started raising money for our album through a platform called Head Start, which is like this really Israeli version of um, Indiegogo or GoFundMe. And so, yeah, so we actually didn't get signed by a label. We really got signed by the people, which is amazing because it's a really, it's such a blessing. We live in this generation where artists have this direct connection with their audience. We feel so blessed. I don't know, 50 years ago, if you didn't have a lot of money or a record label that signs you, you, you know, didn't have a chance. In general, I mean, record labels really don't control the world anymore nowadays which is a blessing for artists because we have a chance to independently reach our audience without being dependent on anybody else you know we could just go into social media reach our audience back our albums which is really really such a blessing so I think just like we got started really through this direct connection with our audience through social media we also continued you know we recorded our first album through a yeah crowdfunding campaign which was amazing and then we actually started getting requests for concerts. So we kind of realized that we need to start performing. And we took that leap and just started doing concerts in Israel and then later on abroad in Europe, in the United States, Canada. 
yeah, it's really been a wild journey. And so after our Modani video, then it was our one day video, which really reached the most people. It reached millions and millions of views, which was an incredible surprise because we were not at all intending for it to reach that many people. We didn't, we really couldn't have imagined that. Yeah. Now, nowadays we're working on our second album. And uh, at the same time, we're also working on a kid album, which is a totally different project with kid songs. I'd say they're, they're for families more than they're just for kids, really for, for parents, for children, just a lot of topics that have to do with kids' lives. And uh, it's going to be in English and in Hebrew. We're still doing concerts, you know, throughout Israel and abroad. We're actually coming to the States in September, in November, and in the end of April, <laughs> God willing. So we're booking concerts for all three of those tours. So let's talk about the concerts more. What did that entail? Did you hire people to sell tickets? Okay, maybe you just sold through Facebook events today. That's what people do. But what about booking halls, sound systems? How did that work out for you? I imagine you didn't stand there in front as selling or ticketing people. So did you literally organize every logistical element of your production and concert by yourself? Um, or did you hire an outsource? So nowadays we have a booking agent who deals with our with our international concerts which is a lot of fun but they were very as musicians were very involved because it, we came from a place of kind of being independent and doing everything on our own we slowly widening our our circles and uh, and working also outsourcing and working with other people but i think because we have that experience as independent artists so even though we have we now have a u.s booking agent we're very much kind of involved in what goes on which is nice for us because in the end you know we care about it I guess more than anybody else, you know, it's our, our concerts, our name, we really feel invested, emotionally invested in everything we do. So we want everything to come out the best it can. Okay, I'm sure. And do you sing your songs live with live instruments? Or do you use backing tracks? No, everything's always live. It depends. Some concerts are more acoustic, us a guitar, a keyboard, some concerts are full band. And then we get local musicians to accompany us with drums and bass. And and you talk like share stories as you lead into the next song as you perform? Yeah, for sure. For sure. We, we share, you know, our personal stories, the background stories to the songs. We talk a lot about our journey and our relationship and our kids and Israel and Judaism and just all these different elements of our life. We kind of try and talk about everything. We share stories from our dates. It's a lot of fun. Whoever's listening, you guys should come. <laughs> First of all, that's the hardest part for me in performing, connecting my life stories with songs and choosing what and how to share. I find that difficult, but forget about me for now. <laughs> How does this whole partnership work for you? And I'm sure it's cliche to ask, but being in a marriage with someone could be all-consuming and that is also who your professional partner is. Honestly, I can't even imagine having a professional partnership with my husband. I have way too many opinions when it comes to music, production, performance. So how does this dynamic work for you? Nice. When you come onto stage and your videos on Facebook, your aura is just so peaceful. I guess the word I'm looking for is perfect, and I know that doesn't exist. But the harmony that exists between the two of you and knowing what goes into everything, I mean, someone could come onto stage with a big smile and five minutes before the curtains opened, quote-unquote, they were screaming at everyone, so I know what that could look like. So what does it look like for you? Because at the end of the day, you do go home <laughs> with your partner, your co-singer. 
So can you talk a little about that and try to go a little deeper? Because I know you've talked about this a lot. So give us a little more. Okay, sure. (laughs) Okay, well, it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely, definitely not perfect. Uh, It could be, you know, we we experience a lot of stress together. We see each other in every possible situation. Sometimes we get sick of each other. We try and, um, and take breaks from each other and have time alone, time away from each other. It could be... For me, it's even going for for a run or uh, I'm I'm part-time, I'm pursuing like a master's in therapy. So that's very much my therapy. (laughs) Even though I'm studying to be a a therapist, it's also very much therapy for me because it's time away from to be on my own. And Creoni, it's, uh, you know, recording in the studio. He's really into like producing and we have a studio that Yoni can go to, spend his time there. And also me, I try and find my time uh, also alone. We also try to have quality time as a couple that has nothing to do with our music. So that could just be going out on a date, taking a walk on the beach, I don't know, even just having dinner together, but like not, you know, then we make a rule that we don't, we're not going to talk about work. We're not going to talk about money. We're not going to talk about the kids and then just talk about other things. And that's also really, really healthy for our relationship. It's uh, it's maybe just a wild adventure, but I really feel like He's my best friend in the end. You know, we go through everything together. He knows more than anyone else how to calm me down when I'm stressed. And we just know how to read each other really, really well. So even if we fight on the way to a concert or get stressed out at each other, we're also pretty good at not holding a grudge and just getting past it. And in the end, it's just really, really fun to share all these experiences with someone. I feel like it's very grounding in the sense that Anyhow, being a singer and being a musician is kind of like a wild roller coaster ride. And I'm really grateful that I have someone to share all that stress with. So I know your baby's part of your musical journey because she's in a lot of your videos. I'm just curious, was that at all strategic to insert your baby into the videos to get more views? <laughs> I know I've learned in marketing that having a child or pets, animals, and videos, commercials, bring out that emotional aspect in people. Also, on another note, have you been judged or criticized for having your kids in your videos? Okay, cool. Originally, when we started making videos, I had absolutely no intention in, you know, exposing our kids or sharing them in the videos. It actually started our baby, who's now three and a half, actually joined our videos for the first time when we just realized that we couldn't make videos without holding her because it's the two of us and she was just a few months old and every time we would sit down to make a video she would cry and want to be held if she was sleeping we couldn't sing because it would wake her up so we were really stuck <laughs> with like no time and whenever we would sing she would calm down so we, really, we, we basically had no option but to have her in the videos and when we started you know it definitely did get a lot of responses from people and then yeah it kind of we, we entered this dilemma where we were weren't sure if we were how, how much we should expose our daughter you know on one hand we did know that like, it was better for her she was happy being held and being part of the fun and having our attention but we also didn't want to feel like we were using her and I would say that when she did reach a point where she hit a certain age I don't know if it was one and a half or two she really stopped being in our videos as much only like now and then when you know we get stuck and she really wants to be in it or something but it was a, a very aware choice of ours not to have her in the videos as much as she got older because now she's at a stage where she's more aware and she can you know be more recognized etc and also I think it just it not very naturally worked out because when she hit that age 
she didn't want to sit on our lap anymore. She wanted to run around and dance and she doesn't have, you know, that much of an attention span to sit there through every single take. So it, it worked both ways. I mean, I think it's better for her and for us now that she's an active part of our concerts. Now everybody does the same thing, but I think very naturally, you know, as they get older, she's just, they become less and less part of the videos. And when they're younger, I, it doesn't bother me as much there. It still does happen that we show up to concerts and people say, where's the baby? We're like, it's 10 o'clock at night. What do you think? But yeah, I think I kind of like having them there in the presence of our music, in a sense, like, but like in the background. You know, it doesn't feel like it's a family show. I think it's very clear to everyone that we're the musicians and they're kind of part of our story, uh, but they're not all of our story, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So we'll close up with this. Feel free to answer whatever speaks to you most. What do you feel your impact is on Jewish women artists and otherwise? And since you are in the couple category that gives you some more leniency in the Kalisha discussion, what do you feel your impact is toward this topic? Wow. I don't know if I can say what my impact is. I guess I need to hear that from other people. I feel like I'm trying to bring something very real and very um, honest. And I hope it touches people in a meaningful way. I hope it inspires them. I hope it makes more room for other religious women who feel that it's you know, the right thing, the right path for them to choose. I hope it gives them more courage to do so yeah mainly i just kind of want to inspire people with our music thank you so much nina for taking the time out of your busy schedule to to be with us today and sharing your story okay good luck so nice meeting you it's really been wonderful you can find yonina on facebook and itunes make sure to check out her tour dates also, don't forget to write to me, franciscak at gmail.com. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-S-K-A-K-A-Y at gmail. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to The Francisca Show. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask you to please subscribe to the show and leave us a good review on iTunes. You can do that even if you do not listen to this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Also, please share this podcast with your friends or anyone else you think may like the show. And keep coming back. Thank you for your support. See you next time.